Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. I receive Holy Communion every week, but why am I not holier? I'm receiving the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Why am I not experiencing this change, this transformation in my soul? It's said that just one Holy Communion is enough to make us a saint. Then why aren't we saints? If we go to Mass every week, we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Maybe some of us go every day. We go to daily Mass. Why are we not growing in holiness at the pace we desire? As I speak around the country and I talk about the Mass, I talk about the Eucharist, I hear from many lay faithful these kinds of questions. Maybe you've pondered this before. Do you long to make every Holy Communion count? Do you long to make every reception of the Eucharist transform you? Do you long to welcome Jesus most fully into your heart so that you can experience his love, his healing, him changing you, sanctifying you? A lot of questions people have about Holy Communion. They wonder, well, how do I make a good Holy Communion? How can I really prepare my heart to receive him, to welcome him more? I hear from some Catholics, they say, I don't even know if I'm worthy to receive Holy Communion. I've sinned. I struggle with sin. Am I worthy to receive? Who can receive Holy Communion? I know some Catholics wonder, well, I see some Catholics receive on the hand, others receive on the tongue. What should I do? Some people may wonder, well, what about my non-Catholic friend? I've got a family member, a friend that's coming with me to Mass, and uh, can they receive Holy Communion? Why can't they come? And what do I tell them? How do I explain this to them that they can't receive? A lot of questions people have about receiving Holy Communion. We're going to look at some of those in today's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I'm really excited to talk about this topic of Receiving Holy Communion. It's a topic I explore in my new question and answer book about the Eucharist. It's called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Mystery of the Eucharist. And, you know, we're getting ready for this big Eucharistic revival uh, in the United States here, at least. All the bishops in the United States are gathering people together in their diocese to celebrate the wonderful mystery of the Eucharist, to ponder it, to, to do catechesis on it, to do evangelization on this. It's the very center of our faith, and many Catholics don't really know a lot about the Eucharist. Maybe you have friends or family members. Maybe you're concerned about, will my children really understand the Eucharist? Do my, do my grandchildren really understand the Eucharist? Does my roommate, my friends? Uh, this resource that I put together here is meant to be just a very basic introduction, a primer for introducing people to the great gift of Jesus himself in the Eucharist. And it's in an easy-to-read format, question-answer format, and you can get them in bulk quantities. I think if you get five more, you get a discount. Ten more, you get a discount. So you can get them in bulk quantities, give them to family members, friends, prospective especially for those in parishes, if you're involved in parish ministry uh, and you want to bring a Eucharistic renewal in your parish life, you can check out the book again. It's at ascensionpress.com. You can go to ascensionpress.com and check out the book, Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Mystery of the Eucharist. We're looking at some of those questions that I explore in the book about receiving Holy Communion. How do I best prepare my heart to welcome Jesus in so that I can receive all that he has in store for me to experience his amazing love and to be transformed so I can share that Eucharistic love with the world around me? Now, I want to talk about just some of the basics. We're going to start off with some of the basics, and I'm going to say three key things that have to happen 
But I want you to know, I'm just going to prepare you here. These are just the minimums. <laughs> there, there's so much more we should be doing, but I'm just going to talk about the, the most basic minimum things we need to do. First of all, to, to make a worthy reception of Holy Communion, we have to be fully incorporated into the church. And so this gets at that question about, well, what do I do if I you know, bring my you know, my cousin John, who's not Catholic, or my friend from college who's visiting town and we're going to Mass and he, I invite him to come along, but he, he, he can't receive. Why can't he receive? He's a Christian. He loves Jesus. Or, uh, you know, he's a good guy. He's spiritual. He may not be that religious. Why can't he receive? And many of us might kind of get a sense, you know, all right, the church you know, teaches that we're not supposed to have non-Catholics receive Holy Communion, but I don't know how to tell him. I feel a little awkward saying, well, here, you can come to Mass with me. We're around to be really hospitable and welcoming, but you can't go up and receive Holy Communion. How do I explain that to someone? I want to talk about that here. So first of all, just know the, the what the Church has taught is that you have to be fully incorporated into the Church to receive Holy Communion. Why is that the case? Um, you know, first, you know, just to remind us that we are we're not just saying and uh, we're not just walking up and just going through some ritual. Uh, we are saying amen when the priest holds out the host to us. What does he say? He says, the body of Christ. And then we say amen. And so that amen means I believe. I'm affirming. Yes, I believe this really is the body of Christ. Uh, now, if somebody walks up and doesn't really believe in the Eucharist, doesn't believe this is really the body, blood, soul, and divinity uh, of Jesus Christ under the appearance of bread and wine, you know, they're, they're, they're not being faithful to their own words. So it's for their own good. You know, they want to be men and women of integrity, and they're coming up, and the priest is saying, the body of Christ, and they're saying, amen, I believe, I believe this is the body of Christ. There were Christians in the early church that that, that sacrificed, they made great sacrifices to, to receive Holy Communion. They risked, they risked their lives. They were going to be persecuted to go to Mass. They could, uh, Romans could show up and, and catch them celebrating Mass, and, and they would be taken away and be martyred. And so they believed that this was so important. This is the body, blood of Jesus Christ. And so when the priest holds that up and the person, your friend who's not Catholic comes up, they don't want to say amen because they don't really believe that. And so that that's one piece that, that we, wanna, we wanna bring into consideration. But I'll tell you this, I've heard many people say, yeah, but you know, but my cousin, he actually, you know, he's, he's Lutheran, but he believes it's the real presence of Jesus. Or my evangelical friends, oh no, they take the they take uh, the Eucharist seriously. My evangelical friend, he thinks that this really is the body of Christ. Well, you know, if he really does believe, we have to realize that the amen that they're giving at Mass is more than just an amen to the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. It's also an amen to everything the Eucharist points to, because the Eucharist is an expression of unity with the Church, a unity of faith a unity of worship, a unity of life. So, so when we say amen to the Eucharist, when we come up to receive Holy Communion, we're not just saying amen to, I believe in the real presence of Jesus, that this really is the body of Christ. I'm also saying amen to the communion of the whole church. I'm saying an amen to everything that the church teaches. So does your cousin, does your friend that's showing up really believe everything the church teaches about purgatory, about the saints, about the Immaculate Conception, about papal infallibility? Uh, do they really believe everything the church teaches about marriage, about abortion, about sexuality? Uh, do they believe all the church's teachings? Because the amen we give is a yes to that as well. It's also a yes to the way of worship of the church. Do they believe in all the sacraments? 
Do they, are they fully in, immersed in the life of the church? Do they participate in the fellowship, the communion of Catholic believers? Well, clearly, if they're not Catholic, they don't. They don't participate in that. And so we know we welcome them. They can always join RCAA. And we, we, we're not saying no forever. You know, <laughs> it's just it's not right now because it's not, you're not really saying yes to the whole thing yet. It's kind of like you're not married yet. <laughs> you know, you're not into the family just yet. We welcome you. We want you to come in. And, and there's this thing called the, the right of, or, well, we call it OCIA now, but there's a whole process to bring you into the church. And we welcome that if you'd like that. Now, if someone's not ready for that, we still can be hospitable. We could say, hey, you know, well, if you, you may not want to receive Holy Communion here, or well, you can't receive Holy Communion because it is an amen to the real presence of the Eucharist. And even if you believe that, it's also an amen to the entirety of the Catholic faith, a, faith, a unity of faith and worship and life together. And you're not a part of that yet, but but you could go up and receive holy uh, a spiritual blessing from the priest or the deacon. So the priest or the deacon can give a blessing uh, to you, and many churches allow that. In uh, or you can just stay here in the pew, and you can make a spiritual communion. Tell Jesus you long to receive Him in your heart. So we're still welcoming them, but we're also just expressing the reality that they're not fully a part of the church, and they don't fully believe in the or they don't fully believe in the real presence or both and. So that's the first basic minimum point. You have to be fully incorporated in the church. Second key thing, and this is so important. I know this is basic. It's part of the minimums, but it is so important. We have to be in the state of grace. We can't be conscious of any mortal sin. You know, there are some sins that are more serious. You know, the church talks about distinguishing kinds of sins, and that's actually found in the New Testament. There are some sins that are mortal, that are deadly. Just like in any relationship, there's some things that I might do that, you know, I could I could hurt a relationship with someone. You know, I could be impatient with them, or I could, you know, not keep my promise, or I could fail to, you know, be there when I said I would, or whatever. You know, and these cause strains in a relationship. In those little tensions of relationship, I can say I'm sorry. But if I go up to my friend and I just punch him in the face, <laughs> that's that's not just oh hey sorry about that mistake there. No no that's a that, that requires a more serious amend <laughs> of the relationship. I could do something that breaks the relationship, right? So for example, a husband might you know be short with his wife, not, might not be kind to his wife, might be selfish, might be prideful, unforgiving. He might have those little things, and he could say I'm sorry, and they could reconcile. But a, a husband that cheats on his wife is a whole different level of reconciliation that needs to take place. So there are some things in a relationship that bring friction into the relationship, causes tension in the relationship, uh, and those things need to be repaired. But then there's other things that break the relationship. You punch your friend in the face, you cheat on your spouse, there's a serious rupture in the relationship. And the church is always distinguished based on the New Testament between the kinds of sins that they call venial. They're, they're real sins and they, they do hurt our relationship with God, but there are others that actually break the relationship. And those are called mortal sins. You could read in the New Testament, St. Paul gives a number of lists of those kinds of sins that that cause us to break our relationship with God, you know, that remove us from the kingdom of God, he says. Uh, those are sins that involve murder, uh, involve 
uh, sexual sins of promiscuity. It involves drunkenness, things like this. There's a number of serious sins that break the relationship with God. And remember, God is so forgiving. Even if we've committed a mortal sin, even if we struggle with a mortal sin, all we have to do is go to him and tell him we're sorry in the sacrament of penance. We go to confession and if we're sincerely sorry and we're really going to try again, God is so quick to forgive. He's so loving and merciful. Um, but what we don't want to do is commit a mortal sin and then just not, you know, not just go receive Holy Communion. St. Paul says that is adding sin to sin. That's actually a more serious sin. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 29, whoever eats the, of the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. They will eat and drink judgment upon themselves. So we want to be careful. We want to take this seriously. If we're living in a serious sin, one of those mortal sins of the church, this is why I know, you know, a lot of campus ministries, uh, you know, they'll, they'll call college students to remind them, hey, don't go get drunk on the weekend and then show up and receive Holy Communion uh, without going to confession first. Because drunkenness is one of those sins that's considered a mortal sin. If I intentionally try to inebriate myself to lose my ability to reason and make good judgments to make good decisions, that, that's a mortal sin. Same thing with use of drugs. Same things with a, a, a premarital sex, adultery, things like this. Uh, those are considered some of those serious sins. And again, God is forgiving and merciful if we go to him in confession. But what we do want to do is fall into mortal sin and then go receive Holy Communion, we will drink and eat judgment upon ourselves. So we have to be fully incorporated in the church. We have to be in the state of grace and we need to fast. That's the third thing the church says. We have to fast one hour before receiving Holy Communion. So these are three very basic things we all need to do, but I want to go further, my friends, because we don't want to just do the minimum. We want to really welcome our divine guest, Jesus, with all our heart, don't we? So I I, I think about... Um, uh, a true story here. Many years ago, we had, a, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeanette Bankovic, Jeanette Bankovic-Williams now. Um, she's a, a great Catholic speaker, writer. She has a wonderful show on EWTN. You should check it out. Jeanette's been a great friend. She's been kind and had me on her show many times. And I invited her out to Denver. Uh, we filmed her for a project here at the Augustine Institute many years ago. And it was just great to have her. And she had met my family years ago at a conference. Uh, but hadn't ever been to our house. And so we were so excited to host her for dinner. And I remember the whole family is working hard to get the house clean. You know, we got a big family of eight kids, so it can get really messy really quick. So they're all running around scrambling to clean up the house. And one of my kids says, why are we, why are we cleaning so much? Is the queen coming? <laughs> and, uh, and then from that point on, we've, we've always called Jeanette the queen. So oh, the queen is coming. Here's the queen. <laughs> so, but Here's what I want you to think about. You know, when you have a, a special guest coming, you prepare your house because you want to welcome your guest. You want to honor your guest. We wanted to honor the queen that night. <laughs> but every time we go to Holy Communion, we're welcoming the king, the king of kings, Jesus. What do you do to prepare to welcome him into your soul? Do you just show up like it's just any ordinary meeting, some activity at the church? Or do you show up realizing I'm coming to welcome the king into my heart? And so just like I might not clean up the house as much for just 
an ordinary meal that we're having. But wow, when we have a special guest coming, we're trying to clean up the house and get it ready. I want to clean the house of my soul. So what are some of the things I need to do to clean my soul, to prepare my soul, to welcome the divine guest? First, let's quiet ourselves. We need to, we have to transition from our normal daily life to what we're entering into in the mysteries of the mass. I need to quiet myself down. So I need some time of transition. So I always say, you know, when I'm driving to mass, let's not have the radio on and I'm just listening to the sports game or listening to talk radio or my favorite podcast or I'm just listening to, you know, music. You know, let me, I need to quiet my soul. So maybe as I'm driving over, I just turn off all my devices and I just have a little bit of time of quiet. Maybe I could pray while I'm driving to mass. Uh, sometimes our family will maybe pray a decade of the rosary to kind of get our hearts ready. Um, sometimes I'll hand, you know, the, one of my older kids, the reading of the day and they, they do the gospel reading and we, we listen to the gospel reading in the car and we talk about a little bit on the way in. So we, whatever you do, we could do different things. You know, maybe we show up to mass early. We show up to mass early to get a little quiet time, just to quiet our soul, to be still and know our God. So that's a good thing to do. Or maybe I show up to Mass and I can pull out the missalette and look at the reading before. So I'm kind of trying to prepare my heart to encounter God in the liturgy. So whatever we do, let's take that time for transition, to, to transition from normal daily life to the sacred mysteries of the Mass, preparing myself for communion. A second thing we need to do. So we quiet ourselves. Secondly, let's show reverence. We live in a world that doesn't get reverence. We live in a very casual world. And there's something beautiful about reverence. You know, again, like when we invited Jeanette over for dinner, I just didn't wear like, you know, my shorts and a t-shirt, you know, you know, I was, I was in, I mean, I was probably in my work clothes because I was coming from work. Uh, but, you know, we, we might just, maybe we're not wearing a tuxedo, you know, for a dinner around our family house, but, you know, I, I didn't want to be all sloppy, you know, and that's just, and that's just for, you know, and Jeanette was a good friend. And if we were a little sloppy, she and we had a backyard barbecue, she wouldn't care. I'm sure she'd be just fine. Right. But we wanted to, you know, dress up just a touch, you know, maybe not wear our pajamas to dinner table or something, you know, right. So we're, we're, we're trying to honor her. That's a small way that we might show reverence in our own homes for a guest. But for Jesus, we want to do the same thing. We want to show him reverence. The catechism talks about this. And when we go to mass and we're in the presence of the Eucharist, we show reverence in our gestures. We kneel. We kneel at the mass. We genuflect when we come into the church before the liturgy. And we, we, we genuflect when we sit into the pew. And so genuflecting, we, we kneel, we make the sign of the cross, we're acknowledging, God, you are here in the tabernacle. It's good to do this for ourselves. It's good to teach our children to make good genuflections, not a rushed one, not a sloppy sign of the cross. No, no. Well, how we, our bodily demeanor, the just bodily gestures are important here for realizing I'm in the presence of God. I think about those angels in heaven. The Bible tells us both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in Isaiah and the book of Revelation, that the angels are bowing down before God and they're singing his praises. And if the angels who are perfect beings, right, they have no sin and the angels in heaven are worshiping God and they themselves feel they need to bow down. They need to show great reverence. And Isaiah, the angels even cover their faces because they're in the presence of God. Like, like that, that's a sign that we human beings, we, we fallen creatures should, should show great reverence in our bodily gestures, our bodily demeanor, our words that we say the prayers of the mass with reverence, in our dress that we don't just dress up like we would in a, just an ordinary event. 
you know, maybe I, you know, I, I don't have to show up without my my sports jersey at, for a Sunday mass. That maybe I could dress up a little more to show God reverence that this isn't. I'm not going to a football game. I'm not going to a baseball game. I'm going to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I'm just going to dress up a bit. Now, I, 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 different cultures express this differently, but whatever your whatever culture you're in, whatever kind of community you're in, you want to dress just at least a, a step up from just your ordinary daily life to show reverence. So how do we how do we prepare to receive Jesus? We need to quiet ourselves. We need to secondly show reverence. Thirdly, we need frequent confession. We need frequent confession. I've already talked about this. Confession and the Eucharist go hand in hand. We want to have that time to, certainly mortal sins, we have to bring to confession before we can even receive Holy Communion. But having the regular rhythm of confession at least once a month in our life, at least once a month, is so important for acknowledging explicitly our sinfulness, humbly going before God and saying, I've sinned, Lord, and receiving his 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 pardon and receiving his grace, his grace that helps to change me and transform me, those graces of confession help me prepare my soul to receive Jesus more. I will welcome Jesus more fully into my heart the more I'm going to confession and receiving that cycle of forgiveness and healing grace. So I want to I want a frequent confession, and I always say at least once a month. Again, if there's any listener out here who doesn't have enough sin to bring to confession in a month's time, please contact me because I want to put your cause up for canonization. You might be on the way to sainthood. <laughs> so, but we all have that, right? So frequent confession. So how are we how are we preparing ourselves to receive Jesus? We got to quiet ourselves to, in the transition of coming to mass. We have to show reverence during mass. We have to frequent the sacrament of reconciliation. And thirdly, we need daily prayer. We have to receive Jesus in daily prayer. We want to receive Jesus in the life of daily prayer so we can receive him more fully at every mass. And by daily prayer, you know, I've been talking about this in the podcast so much the last several months with my new book on prayer. Um, is Daily prayer, I mean more than listening to something, listening to a podcast or a radio show. I mean more than saying prayers. I mean more than devotions. I'm talking about that quiet time. But I want to share with you something that I, I quote a spiritual writer in, in my book on prayer who, who makes this point. He says, yes, the mass is in itself more important than personal prayer. But without a prayer life, the sacraments would have a limited effect. The sacraments confer grace, but their effects are stunted because they do not find good soil in which to take root. We can ask ourselves why those who frequently receive Holy Communion are not holier Often the reason is the absence of prayer in their life. Now, I want to unpack this here. So whenever we receive Holy Communion, we're receiving real grace. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's true. But those real graces, are they meeting the fertile soil of an interior life, a daily prayer life? Because those graces will bear so much more fruit in our lives if we're in regular communion with God in prayer. In other words, if I have daily communion with God. I'm using lower C communion, not holy communion, but if we have regular communion, fellowship, friendship with God, we're feeding that friendship in daily prayer. Just like a husband and wife, you know, they, they spend time together. They know each other's hearts. They share what's going on in each other's lives. They take an interest in the other person's heart. Yeah, so, so you have that shared life. Like, do we have that with God? 
Because if I have that regular daily conversation with the Lord, 15 to 20 minutes every day for personal prayer, quiet time, talking to God, listening to him, meditating on the scriptures, doing Lexio Divina, whatever form that is, but I have that quiet time of prayer, not just saying prayers, but that quiet time of prayer, then when I receive Holy Communion, I already know the heart of my bridegroom. I already know the heart of my beloved, and I'm welcoming him more. And those real graces of the communion will bear much more fruit. Those graces may be more stunted. The effects of those graces may be more stunted if I don't have a daily prayer life. So, so many things here that we could look at on in terms of receiving Holy Communion in preparation. I was, if I had more time, I was going to get into some of the questions about receiving on the hand or receiving on the tongue. And beautiful quote from Pope Benedict about how what we do, we don't want to get so preoccupied by those things. We want to focus on what does the church allow and prepare our hearts, whatever method the church allows. And maybe I'll talk about some of that in a future podcast, but I'm going to pause here and just let you know, if you want to read more about how to receive Holy Communion, to get more out of every Eucharist that you receive, to welcome Jesus more into your heart and to love him more in every Holy Communion. You could check out my new book called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Mystery of the Eucharist. It's from ascensionpress.com and you can get it right now. It's available. You can get it in bulk quantities for your parish, for your family. Very easy to read format, short questions, just basic teachings on what we believe about the Eucharist, how to participate in the Mass, how to receive Holy Communion with the fullest of love in our hearts, how to worship Jesus outside of Mass and adoration. So many questions people have about the Eucharist and this book covers that there. You could check that out again at ascensionpress.com. And my friends, if you enjoy this podcast and you find it a blessing for you, I want to encourage you, would you write a review? You know, when, when people write reviews, it it, it, it goes up in the uh, it, it, and gets out there to more people. So if you enjoy this podcast, I want to encourage you, you to do me a great favor. Please write a review and it'll help other people know and be blessed by this show as well. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and this has been All Things Catholic. God bless.